0: Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia.
1: Well, Listen, we're going to get right into the Word. We have two passages of Scripture, and we're going to spend some time in each of those passages. So if you want to, you can turn to Genesis 39 and sort of put a marker there, Genesis 39 and 2 Samuel 13. Genesis 39, 2 Samuel 13, both of them in the Old Testament, okay? We'll read multiple scriptures from both of those chapters. So while you're turning there, let me say this. When I became the pastor of this church nearly eight years ago, I began a series of messages uh, to introduce or to address issues that the church had been silent about for too long, issues that had been considered taboo in church, so today's message is part of that series that I call the taboo series. and quite honestly it's, it, it's been uh, it, this might be the most sensitive of all the messages that I've done. I've been waiting honestly a year and a half for to get released in my spirit for the timing to be right to do this one and I believe it is right now. And I, I really think it's the divine timing of God that we're online only so that you can hear this and process this and maybe even discuss this, in the privacy of your own home. Now, if you're watching with small children, um, preschool or elementary school age kids, you need to let them go play. Let them go somewhere else. This message is a PG middle school message. If your kids are in middle school or higher, not only is it okay for them to watch, um, I would say they need to watch. I think it's important for them to watch and listen. If if they may squirm a little bit, you may squirm a little bit, um, but they need to hear it. And also, let me say this to anybody watching. I am not given to hype. I'm not given to self-promotion. But this message may very well save someone's life. And one more thing. If you hear the scriptures or the title, and it makes you cringe, and it makes you want to turn it off, push through the fear. Push through whatever that is that's rising in you. And let the truth of God's word and the light of God's love uh, shine into your life this morning. You can be healed and set free today so let's get into it Genesis chapter 39 we're going to read verse 1 then we're going to read verses 6 and 7 and then 10 through 12 here we go verse 1 Genesis chapter 39 when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders he was purchased by Potiphar an uh, Egyptian officer Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh the king of Egypt now let's look at verses 6 and 7 So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about anything except what kind of food he wanted to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Look at what she demanded. Come and sleep with me, she said. Now let's look at verse 10 through 12. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around. And when he went in to do hit to when he went in to do his work, she came and grabbed him by his cloak and demanded, come and sleep with me. Joseph tore away, but left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Verses 19 and 20. Potiphar was furious when he heard about his wife's story, about how Joseph had treated her. His wife made up a story, so he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 13, starting with with verse 1. Now David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar, and Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Please hear me, the word love there is not a pure love. It's not a godly love. It's not even a a wholesome love that a man would have for a woman. This is a lustful, perverted kind of love. And Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar, he became ill. She was a virgin and Amnon thought he could never have her. Verse 11 and verse 14. But as he, I'll fill in the gaps for you in just a minute, As she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded, Come to bed with me, my darling sister. Verse 14, Amnon would not listen to her protests. And since he was stronger than she was, he raped her. Today's message uh, is a taboo subject for the church, and it has been for far too long. It's called Sexual Abuse. It's Not Your Fault. Countless men and women have suffered in silence, Uh, because the issue isn't discussed among polite religious people. But the Bible is a book of real people. It's a book about real issues, people who have suffered real problems. It's not a candy-coated or or glossed-over book. Bad things happen in this world. And it's time we start denying that and start helping people pick up the pieces of the lives that have been shattered by, by the tragedy of sexual abuse. That's the call in the ministry of Jesus for himself and for us to heal the brokenhearted, to release the oppressed, to stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves, to seek justice, to love mercy, to offer hope and healing in the name and the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you today that whatever has happened to you, no matter how long it's been, no matter how often it happened, it's not your fault. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would add your, um, your anointing to the reading and the hearing of your word. God, there are people right now listening to this who have just gotten filled with fear because we're touching on a subject that has impacted their lives greatly. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would just wrap your arms around them right now and comfort them and give them strength to hear the truth of your word so that they can be set free. There are other people now who are filled with dread, filled with concern, filled with, uh, with also with fear of another type that we might talk about things that are inappropriate or difficult to listen to. But God, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would press through all of that discomfort so that they can hear something that might one day save their lives. Lord, I pray that you would just add your blessing and your grace to the words that you've laid on my heart today. And may they hear your voice through mine. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, here's what I want to do today. I want to look at these two situations that we just read about, and I want to try to glean some insights that will do two things. First of all, help the victims of sexual abuse be released from the shame and the guilt and find hope. And healing. That's the primary purpose. And the second purpose is to help reveal the warning signs, the patterns of behavior that goes on around this issue so that people can protect themselves from becoming victims. And if you're wondering if your middle school kids are too young to be listening, I assure you they hear every day at school things that are far more offensive and far less helpful. So let's give them the biblical context that they need to fight back against the perversion of this world. So first of all, let me sort of define what we're talking about today. For the purposes of this message, sexual abuse is any form of unwanted sexual advances. So anything from harassment to sexual assault to abuse to exploitation. Here's what that means. Comments, jokes, uh, invitations, uh, innuendo, that's harassment. When it gets physical, it becomes assault whether it's just touching uh, in an unwanted manner or whether it's actual rape as Tamar experienced. If it's repeated, it's abuse. And if you're forced to be with others, if you are forced to have pictures taken and sent to others, or if you're being blackmailed with those pictures, it's exploitation. And just for clarity's sake, Trafficking is when you're being exploited by someone else for any form of gain for that person. So forcing you to have sex for money, for drugs, for property, for rent, for for anything of that sort. And I want you to hear me today. None of those things is acceptable. None of those things is okay. None of those things is your fault. And none of those things get talked about from the pulpit so that people know that they are not the only one it's happened to, so people know that it's wrong, and so people know there is help and hope and healing. So let's get into these accounts. Let's break down the roles that we see in both of these accounts. The first one, obviously, is the predator. Let's talk about the predator first. For Tamar, Amnon was the predator. Amnon was her half-brother. For Joseph, uh, his predator was his boss's wife. The vast majority of sexual abuse happens at the hands of someone you know, and really generally someone you know well. More often than not, it's someone you're related to. And it's both male and female. I know everyone is, is terrified of the random kidnapper and rapist, but far you are far, far more likely to be abused by someone you know. And quite often, it's someone who has power or authority or influence over you a teacher, a pastor, a coach, a boss, a parent, a sibling, a spouse, an uncle or aunt, uh, an older classmate, uh, someone or someone that's just bigger and stronger than you. See, predators are not always just the disheveled, greasy, middle aged white guy in a creeper van. That's kind of what we've narrowed it down to, but that's not it. Predators are professionals sometimes. Predators are attractive. They're personable. They're they're fun to be around sometimes. They're just ordinary people. So don't be lulled to sleep by the false profiling. Pay attention. And we'll talk about some things to look for in just a few minutes. The, The horrific act began in Amnon's heart when he let his lust for his half-sister take root. He wished that he could have her. But listen, your wishes will never make what's wrong right. When lust arose in his heart, he should have dealt with that lust immediately. The same is true of Potiphar's wife. She was the stereotypical, what we call now, a cougar, an older woman who's attracted to the younger, well-built man. She could not take her eyes off of him, and she became obsessed with lust for him. And listen, we're all susceptible to lusting after something. Something turns everybody's head from time to time. But the seeds of lust cannot the seeds of lust cannot be avoided, but you can make sure they don't find good soil in your heart. Ephesians 4 and 27 says don't give place to the devil. Just don't give him a place. We've got to take control of the thoughts And the urges that come into our minds. We are not just helpless victims of every thought and every whim. We have to lead our hearts. We have to lead our minds. We have to put on the mind and the nature of Christ. And that takes a decision. A decision to surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Among the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And it's one of the least mentioned, but one of the most important. We can't control ourselves without the intervention and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the power that we need to push out that demonic stronghold of lust, if we'll allow him to. But make no mistake, if you continue to allow the ungodly thoughts to linger in your mind, you will eventually act on those thoughts. Because Jesus said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we have to take every thought captive and bring it under subjection to the will of the Father. So if some train of thought that you're on is leading you down the wrong track, you have to intentionally derail that thing. Force yourself to think about something else. Completely surrender yourself in that moment to the Holy Spirit. Meditate on the Word. Find a godly or wholesome distraction, but don't let that take root in your heart like Amnon and Mrs. Potiphar did. You say, John, listen, that's ridiculous. Who in the world would allow themselves to become a sexual predator? Every sexual predator that ever lived. That's who. Every sexual predator. Nobody just wakes up one day and assaults somebody. Every one of those people had multiple opportunities to change their course, to change their choices, but they continued to choose to follow their urges instead of following integrity and righteousness. So start today fighting these roots in your life. Fight them like it's cancer, because it is. It is. The fastest way to become a predator in the 21st century is pornography, it's everywhere. Pornography and related activities simply water the seeds, and lust is the natural product of that. And if lust is nurtured long enough or ignored long enough, it turns into sexual abuse and even sexual assault. Pornography is a risk factor for sexual predators, and the bad news is at least half of the men and about a fourth of the women that you encounter on a daily basis are addicted to pornography. So, don't allow yourself to become a predator. According to the U.S. Department of Justice, one out of four women, one out of six men will be sexually abused in their lifetimes. That's a lot of people. That's millions in our nation. And that's why we're talking about it. If you have already been sexually abused, please hear this. They're called predators for a reason. They're called predators because they had a plan to prey on you long before you ever saw it coming. They planned it. They set you up. They had already thought through everything. It's not your fault. Listen, nobody blames the deer for getting shot by the hunter. That deer had no idea it was being hunted. The predator of sexual abuse is the hunter. He or she is to blame it's not the victim's fault. Here's the second person, that, that the second role that's in these two passages, the enabler. 2 Samuel 13, verses 3 through 5. I want you to see this. This, for me, is maybe the most disturbing piece of this puzzle. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 3 through 5. But Amnon had a very crafty friend. That is not a compliment. His cousin, Jonadab. Uh, he was the son of David's brother, uh, Shemeah. One day, Jonadab said to Amnon, What's the trouble? Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? Amnon said, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Jonadab said this, Well, i tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend you're ill. When your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it as you watch and feed you with her own hands. Usually in the background of these crimes, which is exactly what they are, someone's encouraging it and egging it on. You don't see it so much in Joseph's case with with Potiphar's wife, but it's definitely the case with Amnon. His cousin Jonadab was an enabler. He should have talked him out of it. He should have slapped him in the back of his head and said, man, that's your sister. Quit being nasty. Instead, he encouraged it and he devised a plan through which he could have his lust fulfilled. I don't want you to miss the, 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 the ungodly power of this moment. This man formulated a plan by which an innocent woman was going to be raped and he didn't even blink. It appears he didn't even think twice. and There's just no way to justify any aspect of this whole situation, but at least Amnon, who was full of lust, would get the satisfaction of fulfilling that lust. This guy got nothing out of this except either living vicariously through his cousin or or gaining some sort of influence with the prince or maybe just the sick pleasure of having power over somebody. But there are very sick people in this world, and there are enablers all over the place. The camera and production people who work on porn videos, enablers. People who watch porn, enablers. You know, John, how, is, how are they enablers? Because here's the truth about the pornography business or any business. If no one will buy it, no one will sell it. As long as these people are buying it, as long as these people are watching it, they're enabling people to abuse the, so what they call actors, but they're victims. So if you're watching porn, you may never have thought about it this way, but you are enabling sexual abuse. Hotel owners who know or at least suspect what might be going on in their hotel rooms, enablers. When you investigate the stories that have come out of the Me Too movement or the Church Too movement or if you look at the Epstein case, you look at the Harvey Weinstein case and many, many others. What you'll find is that there was someone in the background either egging them on, scheduling the crimes for them, or at the very least turning a blind eye. There are a, lot, a lot of times there are secretaries, there are personal assistants, executive assistants, sometimes even a spouse or a parent, listen, their silence about what they know or what they suspect is just as criminal, just as immoral as the predator. If you know something or you suspect something, you have to say something. Some things, listen, some things are worth losing a job over. Some things are worth leaving a spouse for. Some things are worth cutting off a family member or turning a family member into the police. You cannot sit idly by while innocent people are being victimized. If you you don't turn them in, if you don't say something, you are an enabler. Now, here's the third role in these situations, the victim. I want you to see this in 2 Samuel 13, verses 6 through 11 and then verse 14. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. This was Jonadab's plan. When the king came to see him, Amnon asked, please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hands. Listen, that sounds weird to me. I don't know, maybe that was the, the, the thing in the day, but that's weird, that should have raised a red flag. So David agreed to it and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. When Tamar arrived at his house, she went to the place where he was laying down so, she, so he could watch her mix up some dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set it, but the tray before him, he refused to eat. Everyone get out of here, Amnon told his servants, and so they all left. Then he said to Tamar, Now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. So she took his favorite dish to him, but as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded, come to bed with me, my darling sister. She protested in the next few verses, and then verse 14, he consummated the act. He wouldn't listen to her since he was stronger than she was. He raped her. Tamar was, so let's talk about the victim. Tamar was completely innocent. She did nothing wrong. It was not her fault. She had no idea that there was a plan. She had no idea there was a predator. She had no idea there was an enabler in the background urging it on. She had no idea that people were conniving to assault her that day. It was not her fault. Look at Genesis 39, verses 6 through 12. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned, With Joseph, he didn't worry about anything except what kind of food he wanted to eat. Joseph was handsome and well-built, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Look at Joseph's response. He refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do, and he's held back nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around. He went in to do his work. She came, by, she came and grabbed him by his cloak and demanded, come and sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Listen, Joseph endured day after day of sexual harassment from this woman. But at this point, she was intent on acting upon it. She would not take no for an answer. He was just trying to do his job, honor his boss, and honor the Lord. But she was consumed by lust and her plan. She was his boss. And to force herself on any subordinate is a gross abuse of power. And listen, it happens every day all across this country in corporate America. It's easy to see the warning signs in retrospect. It's much harder in real time to recognize what's going on. So please hear me. Give yourself a break. Stop blaming yourself. You could not have seen it. Because you were not aware of it. It was not your fault. Tamar had no reason to believe her brother had these kind of feelings. Even less reason to believe that he would ever act on them. Joseph thought that staying with all the other servants, doing a good job, would protect him from her until she sent them all away. These two people were victims and it was not their fault. So for the victim today, it is. Was not your fault. Now, what are some warning signs that you can look for so that we can be better prepared, better equipped, should we ever find ourselves in these situations? Here's some of the warning signs. First is voyeurism. What does that mean? He wanted to watch her. Amnon wanted to watch her. In this case, he was allowed to bring her to himself into his bedroom because of the laws and the traditions of that day. In today's world, the, this person might just show up uh, in places that he shouldn't be. Watch for unusual patterns. Today, we'd call it stalking behavior. Any, listen, any undue attention should be looked at suspiciously. Not because everyone who likes you wants to violate you, but there should be some activities, some behaviors that should be a red flag for you and cause you to at least to be alert and to watch for other flags. What are some other things to watch for? Being alone. Being alone. When Amnon and and Potiphar's wife sent the servants away, it was clear that they were determined to carry out their plan. The takeaway is this. Never be alone with someone you're uncomfortable with, for sure. But never be alone with somebody you aren't dating or that you aren't married to. If the boss or a client invites you to his hotel room, invites you to his car, invites you to some secluded location, even invites you to the office when nobody else is going to be there, the answer is always no. No, I'm not coming, right? If he invites you to a business dinner and somehow magically nobody else shows up, leave. Anybody who's innocent will understand your concern. And if that person gets defensive, if they start to try to pressure you, if they start to threaten you, then that's just evidence that your suspicions are true and you need to get out of there immediately. There, there are some things more important than losing a client or losing a job. Now, here's one more thing for you to look at. Tamar, and uh, Amnon and Potiphar's wife both put their hands on them. The moment somebody puts their hands on you in anger or in aggression, they need to be out of your life, and you need to get out of that situation quickly. Tamar couldn't get away because he was bigger and stronger than her. Once he had a hold of her, she couldn't get away. Joseph reacted so aggressively, he ran slap out of his clothes. Uh, let Let me tell you today, do whatever it takes to get away. The first time it happens, don't let them do it to you twice. I've I've told my two older daughters this. I'll tell my little one that. at the same thing at the right time. But a quick physical response is the way to handle those situations. Hit him fast and low and as hard as you can. Y'all understand what I'm saying to you? You say, well, won't that put me in danger? Won't that make him mad? You're already in danger. It will, at the very least, stun him long enough for you to get away. If you're stronger than your aggressor, at least push them out of the way so that you can get out of there. And let me say this, especially to the young ladies watching. Before he puts his hands on you, he'll probably start talking down to you, calling you names that only apply to dogs. Listen to me. The moment they start calling you names... The moment they start talking you down, get away from them and don't ever talk to them again. No, they cannot apologize. No, they cannot sweet talk their way back into your life because you're worth more than that. No, they have one chance. And when they violate that, cut them off. They are grooming you psychologically. Some of these jokers are too dumb to even know what they're doing, but they are grooming you psychologically because the less you think of yourself, the easier you are to abuse because you don't think you're worth fighting back. So they know if they will cuss you, if they'll call you names, it's only a matter of time before they'll put their hands on you. So get out. And the same with men. If she doesn't show you any sort of honor, any sort of respect, if she never says anything nice, if she only puts you down, get out. She is breaking your will so she can abuse you. You say, John, what, why are you talking about physical abuse? I thought we were talking about sexual abuse. Because it's all part of the same source. Abuse is, uh, of all types is about power and dominance. The more you research sexual abuse, the more you realize it's not really about sex. It's about power. And way too often, one form of abuse will lead to another. Now here's the last thing that I want to point out in these situations. There's a system failure. There's a system failure. I want to show it to you in, two, in both these passages. 2 Samuel 13, verse 21. Verse 21, When King David heard what had happened... He was very angry, period. That was the end of the sentence. I want to show you in Genesis 39, verses 19 and 20. We already read this. I want to point it out to you again. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story, and it was just a story uh, about how Joseph had treated her, and he took Joseph and threw him in prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Listen, don't be surprised if the system fails you. King David was angry, but he did nothing else. Joseph was wrongly accused and sent to prison. The victim punished for the crime. One of the last ways that predators violate their victims is by getting away with it. Getting away with it something inside the victim tells them that they are true that they if they were truly innocent then the law would stand up for them that the system would be on their side and since the system failed to defend them they take the blame on themselves listen to me one more time it's not your fault even if the system fails you so what can you do what can you do if you if you have been abused I want to say this quickly. I want to say this simply so that you can sort of wrestle with it and work through it. Because listen, this is not a one-time thing. This is going to be a process. This is going to be a path that you're going to have to walk until you're healed. But here's here's what I want you to do. First of all, reveal. Reveal. You have to tell somebody. No matter how long ago it's been, you have to tell somebody. Because sexual abuse is life-altering. It doesn't matter if it happened to you when you were a child. It doesn't matter if it only happened once. It doesn't matter if it was only touching. It doesn't matter all the ways that you rationalize and justify. It matters that it happened. It's affected your life, and you have to reveal it to somebody. Keeping it in the darkness of your past only makes it heavier to carry. Find a trusted friend. Find a therapist. Find a pastor to talk to. Will it be painful to talk about that stuff again? absolutely excruciating. But you have to open that wound back up so you can drain the poison out of it and start the healing process instead of the hiding process. Here's the second thing I want you to do. I want you to release. First of all, reveal. Secondly, release. You have to start the process of forgiving the predators and the enablers for what they did to you. Now hang on, I know that sounds cruel, I know that sounds ridiculous, but listen to me. Your anger and your unforgiveness is a tether that's keeping you connected to that person. Forgiving isn't for them, it's for you. Because once you cut the cord of unforgiveness, then you are no longer connected to them. You're released and you're free. Even if you're prosecuting them, even if there's a criminal case that you're involved in, that's perfectly fine. If the system can help to prevent them from doing this to somebody else, that's great. But just know that a verdict is not going to set you free if you're locked in the cell of unforgiveness. Your justice ultimately is not going to come from the criminal justice system. It's going to come from the divine justice system and he always gets it right. And the truth is, the person you may be having the most trouble forgiving and releasing is yourself. So many victims think, I should have known better. I should not have put myself in that situation. I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have worn that. Stop it. Listen to me. I don't care how short the skirt was. I don't care how strong the flirt was. Nobody has the right to take from you what you don't give. You you don't have to wait to be free. You can release them. You can release yourself today. Now, here's here's the last thing. I want you to reveal it. I want you to release them, and I want you to reclaim. I want you to reclaim. What that person did or those people did to you robbed you of things that belonged only to you. The best way to get revenge is to take back what was stolen from you. Reclaim your dignity. Reclaim your self-worth. Reclaim your dreams. Reclaim your childhood. Reclaim your innocence. Reclaim your freedom. You take back everything that person thought they were robbing you of. But listen, don't do it for them. They don't deserve that. Don't ever give them another piece of your life. Do it for yourself. Do it because you're a valuable, you're a valued and loved child of God. Do it because God loves you and has a plan for you. Do it because there's nothing that's ever been done to you or by you that for one moment caused God to love you less. Reclaim your future today. Now listen, there are a ton of ways, a ton of things, many facets of of this issue that we just simply don't have time to discuss today. The most important one is this, to the victims, it's not your fault. You have to believe that. You have to allow that truth to replace the lie that you may have been telling yourself for 30 years. It's not your fault. We have a list of resources that'll be available on our website this afternoon, on our Facebook page. It's on the YouVersion event of this service. Right now, you can go and download that or go and and save a copy of that. There are many places to find help, no matter how long ago it's been. If you're struggling with unforgiveness, let me say this. We would love to spend time praying with you walking you through that process because it's not a one-time prayer because those feelings those emotions that wound is deep it's going to take time for it's going to take time for the wound to heal so contact us here at the church and we will put you in touch with people who will help walk through the healing process with you if you're caught up in lust and pornography listen it's not too late But there is a spiritual stronghold in your life that you need to get help for. So get help now. Get delivered now before you hurt somebody. To the predators. Listen, I know it feels inappropriate to talk to the, to offer help to a predator in the same breath that we offer help to a victim. But if we're not willing to help the predator, then we're not preaching the gospel. The gospel demands that we offer help to everybody because we're all sinners so if you are a predator or have been stop hurting people repent and take responsibility for your actions and take responsibility to get the help that you need to break the stronghold that satan has in your life and to those who have not been victims to those who don't have necessarily personal experience in this, please pay attention to those who are around you. Please don't walk through life. It's it's great to be innocent. It's not great to be naive. So please watch for the signs because you're worth too much. You're too valuable to God. You're too valuable to those who love you to allow people to treat you badly or or to abuse you. So please pay attention here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. If you need to go and get alone somewhere, then do that. You do whatever you need to do to have this moment with God where you can be completely honest because as, as, as difficult as it may sound to say and really as, as it, forgive this word, it's it's. It's the only one I can come up with. As crazy as it sounds that we try to hide things from God, we try to hide things from God. He already knows. And He's waiting on us to open up that back door of our lives, that closet that we've kept locked. He's waiting on us to open the door so that He can come in, shine His light into every corner and to pour His love to wash away the pain. So I want you to pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we don't have words to even uh, approach a description of the depth of the pain that people deal with when they've been assaulted and abused sexually. There's something about it that cuts straight to the soul of a person. And Lord, I pray that that your word today and God thank you for putting real life in your word I pray that the word that we read today will bring a revolution in somebody's life will release them from the pain will give them the courage will give them the strength to step out and to reveal what's going on to release their abusers so that they can be disconnected from them And Lord, so that they can receive the healing that they need. Lord, we just pray your grace into these situations. We pray, Lord, for those who have hurt people in the past. We pray that they stop. Lord, whether they we we pray that they repent, we pray that they take responsibility, that they turn from their wicked ways and come to you. But God, if they're refusing to do that and only you know, then Lord, I pray that at the very least that you would that you would hem them in and stop them from, from from hurting anybody else. God, for those who who are caught up in lust who are caught up in pornography who are caught up and so self-centered about their own wishes and wants and whims and desires I pray that you would break the, the spiritual stronghold the demonic influences over their lives right now in the name of Jesus that, the, that the, if they know you Lord that, that the spirit who is in them would rise up They would stir up the gifts that are in them. They would rise up in spiritual authority and they will take a stand against this stronghold and will push it out and will reprogram their mind, wash their minds with the water of the word and release them from that stronghold in the name of Jesus before they do something that harms somebody else. And Lord, I just pray a hedge of protection around every person who's watching this, hearing this today. Lord, may you give us, as your word says, Lord, may we be uh, harmless as doves, but wise as serpents. Help us to be innocent, but not naive. Help us to see what's going on, to take a stand for ourselves and to not allow people to abuse us and to hurt us or the people that we love. And to that person right now who knows what's going on or knows what did go on, I pray that you would help them to have a a revival of integrity in their lives, of strength and courage to do the right thing so that the people who've been victimized can get help and the people who are doing the victimizing can be stopped. God, we just thank you in the name of
0: Jesus